You know, that's quite all right. Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you tell us when two or more are gathered in your name that, that your spirit will be there. And Lord, we, we passed the threshold. So we know that you will be with us. We know that, that each one of us has an individual relationship with you. And we know that as a community, we come together and we come to worship and glorify you. So Lord, may the, our hearts be open and our minds be willing to accept the things that we learned today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The devotion was taken from Billy Graham's Hope for Each Day. And I didn't choose today's. I chose one from earlier in the week because I thought it was more appropriate since it's a communion Sunday. It's called His Most Precious Blood. Jesus Christ loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. When J.P. Morgan, the multimillionaire, died, it was found that his will consisted of about 10,000 words and 37 articles. He made many transactions, some involving large sums of money. But we are left in no doubt as to what he considered his most important transaction. I commit my soul into the hands of my Savior in full confidence that having redeemed and washed it in his most precious blood, he will present it faultless before my Heavenly Father, and I entreat my children to maintain and defend all, at all hazard and at any cost of personal sacrifice the blessed doctrine of the complete atonement for sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, once offered and through that alone. In the matter of his soul's eternal blessing, J.P. Morgan's vast wealth was powerless. He was just as dependent on God's mercy as was the dying thief at Calvary. No matter who you are or what you have done, only Christ can save you for only the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Our hope for today, it's been said that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all arrive equally guilty and sin-stained, and we all leave equally forgiven and free. The same blood cleanses us all.
scripture today is Psalms 130. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call your, for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord, pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you keep a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? Yeah. But you offer forgiveness 
that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his words. I long for the Lord more than centuries long from the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long from the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel in every kind of sin. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through chapter 5, verse 1. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, 
but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to pre preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our pre present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earth, earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. If you take your bulletin, we have a responsive reading. For the mission of the church, gracious God, you have called us to be the church of Jesus Christ. Keep us one in faith and service, breaking bread together and telling the good news of the world that all may believe you are love. Turn your ways and live to your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this time we spend together is so precious. The more time we spend in your word and with and worshiping you is even more precious. So, and Lord, we know that you call back to give back so that others may come to know you that we so lord we ask that you bless the offerings that we make today that they can do just that can can be used to help other people come to know you and be so happy that they finally have this we ask in jesus name amen Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to be back. Thank you. It's good to be seen. Thank you for your prayers. And um, as I was sitting here this morning, I realized again how important our son was to us. Bradley passed, as he always said, to my left next to me. And was always an encouragement and we, we do miss him. Father, we thank you again for today and Lord, for the memories that we have of our loved ones. And thank you this morning, especially for your word, because it is your word and the strength of your Holy Spirit that helps us to go on and 
and uh, accomplish what you want us to do each day. So thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you especially for the table, for this time to remember what your son has done for us. In Christ's name, in Christ's name, we pray. Amen. I know you're holding your breath that I'm going to fall. I'll be all right. Well, it is good to be back with you and appreciate your prayers for us during this time. It's always, we've had to say goodbye to two sons now and we still have two sons left and a daughter, but it's always a hard time for a family, especially Bradley, because he was a real take charge person and we depended upon him. We're gonna be looking this morning at a familiar passage because uh, we're coming to the table today and um, you've heard me say many times before, I think we figured that we've been here 14 years, is that what we decided? And uh, as your pastor, so I haven't moved around very much. I was pastor in uh, Freeport, Illinois for, help me again, sweetheart, 10 years. Then at First Free here in Tucson up on North Swan for 17 years. And now we've been here 14 years, so. Uh, we haven't moved around or changed pulpits very often, so I, I appreciate that because you get to spend time in the Word, most of all, and also that's the most important thing, but you also get to develop relationships with your church family. Uh, we're going to read a very familiar passage, and I'm reading from the New American Standard, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, the passage on communion. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, and if you've got the same Bible as I do, it's on page 292. Verse 23, for I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, uh, for he who eats and drinks, eats, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. We're going to look at that familiar passage this morning, and uh, I was thinking about the table that we have in front of us, 
um, it goes by different names depending upon what your church background is. If, uh, if you're Catholic in your background, it's a sacrament. It's sometimes called a Eucharist, sometimes Lord's Table, sometimes uh, Communion, and that's what we call it. So I want to talk this morning what this table is all about so that as we eat and drink together, we'll have even more understanding of what we are doing. We can do it in five words, five different words. They all begin with E and they all end with N. First of all, the Lord's Supper is an expression Verse 24, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, some translations have it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance for me. I believe from what I know of the language that... Um, uh, uh, for you is the better of the translations and, and more correct. This do in remembrance of me, or as the New American says, uh, do this in remembrance of me. So first of all, the Lord's Supper is an expression of our commitment to, uh, to Jesus Christ. So the first word is expression from verse 24. Uh, just, uh, I think probably about 10 days ago, I was watching on TV and uh, they were once again redoing the Pearl Harbor uh, scenario. And um, I was only three years old at the time, but for some reason, and it may be because I've been told, not because I remember, uh, what I was doing when the announcement came over the radio and uh, watching my parents' reaction to it. Uh, I was so pretty young. But uh, most importantly, we lost 2,400 service men and women were killed or wounded during that time. And the cry... After that was, remember Pearl Harbor. But even before that, there was another cry. Remember the Alamo. I saw some of you move your lips to Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Well, this morning, our call is remember Jesus Christ uh, and what he's the high cost of our salvation. Uh, he paid the ultimate price for us, and for us, of course, it is free. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 20 says, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And of course, you and I know that when they hung the three on the cross, the two thieves plus Christ, that um, the Roman soldiers at the end went from body, from person to person, 
uh, and broke their legs. The reason they did that is because they couldn't put pressure to get air in their lungs, and it would cause their death. And, um, but when they got to Christ, they didn't because they could see he was already dead. Uh, but what they did do was put a, sore, a spear in his side. So the Lord on the cross was an expression. He had given thanks, he broke it, and said, take eat, this is my body, which is for you. I think the King James, if I remember correctly, I use the New American all the time. I feel that that's the best, most closest translation from the Greek New Testament. But I believe the King James refers to it as a, a Christ's body being broken. So first of all, the first word is expression, verse 24. The Lord's Supper is an expression. And um, secondly, the Lord's Supper is an explanation. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you, you do show the, you proclaim or show Lord's death until he comes. The word proclaim is it means to tell and to explain. So every time we meet at the Lord's table, I love this. I say to people sometimes, how would you like to preach next Sunday? Now, um, and they used to tell us that, or I've heard it said, that the most fearful thing you can do is to stand up in front of a group of people and give a report. And I've shared with you and, uh, that when I was in the sixth grade, I got up to do a, a book report in Mrs. Lindstedt's class, and I started to cry. I was so nervous to give a report in front of my classmates. And I went out in the hall Mrs. Lindstedt, who was a very uh, firm, strict teacher, um, came out in the hall to find out what was going on. And she said to me, you've got to go back in and stand in front of your classmates and apologize for crying. Well, you and I know that the most fearful thing you can do is to stand in front of a group of people. So now I had to go back in and tell my classmates that I was sorry that I cried. She was a pretty tough, tough, tough cookie for a teacher. So it's an expression. And, uh, and then also it's an explanation. Verse 26 says, for often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. So we proclaim. To proclaim means to tell, to explain. So every time we come to the table, 
you and I are declaring. We're, uh, as it were, preaching a sermon of what we believe and the fact that we know he's coming again. I read about an owner of a large warehouse who was concerned about his profit margin, and he decided to make an on-site inspection. He saw a young man leaning up against the wall, apparently not working. The owner said to him, how much do you make per week? The young man leaning against the wall said, $320. The owner reached into his pocket and pulled out $320 and handed it to him and told him, told him you can leave, we don't need you here anymore. As the young man walked away, the warehouse supervisor arrived and the owner asked him, how long has that fellow been working for us? The supervisor looked as the young man drove away and he replied, he doesn't work for us, he was here making a delivery. So the moral of the story is don't jump to conclusions. <laughs> My wife will remember these days. When I was younger, I worked for a company called Rockford. Uh, we lived in Rockford, Illinois. Rockford Blacktop. And the only way you could get hired by the company is that you had to go to the office in their yard and stand with a group of men all looking for a job. And well, the foreman would come out onto a little platform or balcony, and all of us are there trying to get his attention because we wanted a job. Uh, back in those days, uh, Rockford Blacktop, a construction company, and as a young man, you, you made, you became rich. You, it was hard work, but it was good pay as a laborer. You had to belong to a union, and they took good care of us. But um, <laughs> when I read the story, I thought about, we had a guy on our crew that was fired one day because the owner was driving around on the job sites and he saw this young man leaning on a shovel and uh, he fired him. And I thought to myself, that young man probably was just waiting for something, a truck to come or something to happen. So he was jumping to, uh, to conclusions. So, don't be like the little boy who said to his dad, I'm glad we're, not, we're having the Lord's Supper tonight. I guess that means we won't have to have any preaching. I was six years old uh, growing up at the church at Rockford, Illinois, and our, radio, our program was uh, televised, not televised, that was before television, was broadcast on WROK. And, uh, but I remember I'd ask my dad every Sunday morning, do we have communion today? Well, this is a terrible thing as a child to have to hate communion because it meant that they couldn't serve communion while we were on the air, of course, on the radio. So we had our service and then they went off air. I can remember the red light going off on the pulpit. It meant we were off the air. Now we had to get ready for communion. And so I, I, I dreaded, I hated communion. I cried. I didn't want to go to church. I begged not to go to church because it was so hard for this six-year-old boy to sit there, not only for a sermon, but I had to sit there for communion. 
And so growing up like that with a, not a good attitude towards communion, that was not a good thing to happen. So the Lord's Supper is an expression. The Lord's Supper is an explanation, verse 26 for that. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And the Lord's Supper is an expectation. Expression, explanation, expectation. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show, you proclaim, you announce the Lord's death until he comes. When we come to the table, as we're going to do in just a few moments, we are saying that one day Christ is coming back and we're going to be caught up in the air to be with him. I shared with you before and excuse this man for reminiscing once in a while, but I've shared with you the story of my friend Jake, Jake Henry, my neighborhood. And I remember so clearly, I, I really do, um, we were on our way to play ball. We had the Northwest Railroad tracks, Illinois Central Railroad tracks, all ran a half a block from our house. And we had uh, made a diamond, ball diamond down there. And so that's where we used to meet. We had girlfriends that came from the west side of the tracks. <laughs> and I came from the east side of the tracks. And we play ball. And I remember walking for a ball game. I had a glove in my hand, a bat over my shoulder. <coughs> and we had one of those unusual sunsets. We have them here too. And for some reasons, some reasons I've been told because they're so beautiful and unusual is because of the dust that's in our air here or the moisture where I grew up back in the Midwest would make it such an unusual. And I remember I was walking, it was Jake Henry who was on my left. I had a bat over my shoulder. This is serious. I know this for sure. And we were headed for the railroad tracks where we had our ball diamond. And we had a very, very unusual, most unusual sunset. And I turned to Jake, who was not, did not share the same faith as mine. And I said to Jake, I said, Jake, I think, um, I think Jesus is coming back right now. Of course, he looked at me like I had a taco short combination plate, but um, he didn't understand what I was saying. But the sunset was so unusual that I knew for sure that it was a signal that Christ was coming back. And the reason I came to that conclusion is because I grew up in a church, Evangelical Free Church, that uh, talked about the second coming a lot. So much so that even as children, we were not frightened about it, 
But even as children and adults, of course, we were always looking forward to it. And when unusual things happen, of course, we jump to the conclusion that now Christ is coming back. Well, how old am I, sweetheart? 83? I'd ask her that. 83 years old. And uh, I'm closer to his, to my end uh, than I am at the beginning. So I, 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 I don't want to pass away, but I know that day is coming, and I'll have to say goodbye to my wife or she will say goodbye to me. It's going to be a very sad day. But I know it's coming. And I know this morning, folks, I know you could take my word for it because my word is based upon God's word, that his coming is closer than it's ever been. And that day, listen, please, Listen, that day is coming. And we're going to be with him. I have so many things to talk to my parents and my in-laws about when I get up there. Like I said, I don't want to say goodbye to my very sweet wife, and she doesn't want to say goodbye to me, of course, but um, we know the day is coming. And I can tell you that right now, this moment, the day that he's coming is closer than it was five minutes ago. One day, he's going to take us to be with himself. I remember a story about a young boy who was visiting some of his relatives in Coy. C-O-Y, Alabama. After I read the story, I went to my computer and looked it up, and there is a Coy, Alabama. It was right on the river. And um, it was time for this young boy to come home back to Lower Peachtree, Alabama. And there was no bridge across the river, only a ferry. And as he began to get on the ferry, a storm came up. And as a young boy, it was one of the scariest experiences he ever had witnessed. The clouds were black, the winds were howling, the rain was coming down in sheets, and the waves were hitting against the side of the ferry boat. But they finally made it across, and as they did, the storm suddenly was over, and the sun shone through the clouds. And it was a happy time to be back home and away from the storm. <laughs> I'm a man of great hope. The time is going to come. And I'm going to say, I'm home. So good to be home. Like I said earlier, I've got so much that I want to talk to my parents about and my in-laws about and our two sons who have gone on before us. So this supper is an expression 
The supper is an explanation, verse 26. This supper is an examination, verse 28. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of this bread and drink of this cup. So we're supposed to examine ourselves. That's what I want us to do as we come to the table this morning. You don't have to be perfect. All you need to be is a Christian in progress. In progress, not perfect. But if there's anything in our life, as we come to the table before we eat and drink, make confession to God. It's very simple. It's just a means of saying, I confess my sin and ask for your forgiveness. So the Lord's Supper is an expression, verse 24. Explanation, verse 26. Expectation of his coming, verse 26, second part. It's an examination, verse 28. And it's an encouragement, verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another Five times in the King James, he talks about coming together. Don Nash once wrote in the Christian Standard that he has heard of some churches that have done away with communion as part of their morning worship. These churches offer the Lord's Supper as an option in a side room rather than making it part of the worship service. And why, why, why did this? Why? Because it seems that these churches want to appeal to the seeker crowd, those who visit seeking a church home, and they believe that communion is such a strange practice and dwells too much on the death of Christ that they don't celebrate it as a part of the worship service. I believe that what we're going to do is such an important central part of the service. And I wanted to conclude with this story. Leslie Weatherhead tells a little boy about of a little boy who admitted to an orphanage after his parents were killed. One of the first items on the agenda was to find him a new set of clothes. He was given a new pair of pants, a new shirt, a new pair of shoes that shined so bright that he could see his face in them. And then lastly, he was offered a new hat, but he refused to take it. He hung on to the worst for the wear hat. Finally, one of the Catholic sisters, nuns, was able to coax him into trying on the new hat, and he tried it on, and he liked it. And then he did something very funny. He reached inside his old cap and tore out the lining and stuffed it in his pocket. Noticing it, this nun had a puzzled look on her face and the little boy said, the lining is a part of my mother's dress. It's all I've got left of her and somehow having it in my pocket seems to bring her back. Father, thank you for this table that we have in front of us. Help us to remember that 
we're to be an encouragement to each other. And what we're doing today Lord is celebrating what you have done for us through your son. We're so grateful, so grateful for his sacrifice. Father, it's so great to know as one of our members used to remind me is that our sins are buried buried deep and there is a sign that says no fishing in other words it's over, it's past, it's done prepare our hearts I pray for this table this morning because we do it remembering what Christ has done for us Amen. Thank you, Father, for this time in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs> the text earlier but uh, just to remind us at this table here in front of us represents the blood and body of our Lord and uh, so again we'll come up the center aisle take your bread and a cup please if you would Father thank you for these elements the bread that represents the body of your son that suffered so greatly. And the cup reminding us of the blood that was spilled for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So Father, we commit ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen. Please come. He took the bread and he said, this is, this is my body, which is for you. Do this remembrance of me. Let's eat in remembrance of him, please.
And it says in the same way, the cup also, after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink it in remembrance of him. Father, thank you again for giving us your son who paid the ultimate price that I can shout this morning, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am forgiven. In Christ's name, amen. If you'd like to stand, and we'll sing our closing hymn, pass it on. You know it. Okay. It's all good. taught more about the Lord's Supper today. Let us, let us remember those words. Let us remember the meaning and just how much was sacrificed so that we would be forgiven of our sins.
And Lord, how you were willing to do that, how you were willing to sacrifice your son, because you knew that was the only way that the perfect human being had to die so that the rest of us could live. Lord, we thank you for this, and we thank you for the time we get to spend together rejoicing in communion with you. We lift this up in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Be with me till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with us till we meet again. Go in peace.